Hello, welcome to the Contact Podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about leadership. So this is going to be part two of Biblical Man. But I think when we're talking about leadership, this is not something that just applies to men. Um, obviously women can be leaders too. So this is just for anybody out there, um, just a little word of encouragement about leadership. And so um, there is definitely a lack of leaders in today's society. We can see that with the way things are going with schools, the way things are going with this next generation coming up. Um, just the chaos and confusion that's going on today, it's evident that there's not enough good, godly Christian leaders that are willing to step forward and, and do something about it to put it into what's going on. I think we've been passive for too long, and, and we can see the fruits of that with what's going on in society today. So I believe that now is absolutely the time that Christ is calling us as leaders, as Christians, to stand up and to do something about what's going on. And so I want to just dive into um, the topic of leadership today. And, and first of all, when you talk about leadership, what's the first step to becoming a leader is you have to want to be one, right? You have to want to be the, the person that people are looking for for the answers. And I think that's one thing we try to teach our kids um, when you talk about leadership. We tell our kids all the time, every night before they go to bed, we say, what is the two things that we need to strive for? And they, they say back, and, and you know, sometimes they forget, like, like I said, they're kids, but consistency is key. So we do it every night so they don't forget. And they, they get it most nights, but it's it's be kind and be a leader. Nobody want, Nobody's going to want to follow a leader that's a turd. You have to be a good person. You have to be a kind person. So I think that's a major characteristic of a leader. Um, so like I said, you have to want to be a leader. And how do you do that? You have to uh, be willing to put others before you. So, And the truth about it is that most things that are worth having are only attained through hard work. So it's not just going to come easy. It's not just going to be effortless. It's something that you have to actually work and strive towards. You know, if you want to have a thriving business, you know, if you want to have a good marriage, um, whatever it is, anything worth having is worth working for, right? So um, I think most of the guys in this world fall short of this concept of being, you know, a real man or a real uh, Christian leader. They have one thing in common. It's they don't want to be one, you know, so you can, you could say things all day long until you're blue in the face, but you actually have to put in the work to achieve this goal. So how do you become a leader? How do you become a, a real man or a real woman? Um, the only way is is you have to be grounded in the person of Christ. You have to be um, um, set with that foundation of Christ in your life. That is the only way that you're going to attain that goal. Um, I had a, a very good conversation with a friend yesterday. Um, his name is uh, Antoine McGee, and we've got some stuff coming down the pipeline. I'm not going to get too deep into that now, but... Um, and we, we spoke about this topic a little bit, how there's not enough people that are, are rooted in their foundation in Christ. And that is just something that is so key for us that we have to be grounded in that foundation of Christ if we want to have any hope of being a leader, being a, a strong person of Christ that people look toward and look up to. We have to be rooted in Christ. So um, if you've come to a saving grace in Christ, saving faith in Christ, you're a new creation. You're, you're being, have, you're, you're, excuse me, having been freed from the bondage of sin. There is freedom in the Son. If you look in John 8.36, it says, Who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
There's there's freedom in the sun, and 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 there's freedom in light. You know, um, the Bible oftentimes refers to lightness and darkness. You know, you want to be in the light as Christ is in the light. There's a great DC Talk song that talks about that. But the thing about that is, you're in bondage in the dark, right? That's where. Um, things of the devil, the things of this world can get to you where it's dark. But if you're in the sun and you're in the light, that's where you're free. So that is one thing we need to strive toward is is to just be as close to Christ as we can because the root of all knowledge, the root of all leadership, the root of, of every good thing that could possibly come in this life, it only comes from Christ. So the closer that we are to Christ, that is the only way we can have any hope of achieving these goals that we that we seek to set for ourselves. Um, and the gospel perfects these things. The gospel perfects leadership. The gospel perfects um, manhood, womanhood, masculinity. It perfects all that stuff. So I think for a leader, first of all, you need to be rooted in Christ, rooted in the person of Christ, like I mentioned a second ago. You have to have a strong prayer life. You have to constantly be in prayer, like the like the verse says. I can't remember the the exact reference off the top of my head, but pray without ceasing. We have to be in in constant communication with God. So that doesn't mean you're just praying nonstop, but throughout your day, thanking God for whatever it is. You know, praying, "Hey Lord, help me through this or that," because the only way we're going to hear God back is if we we are close to Him, hearing hearing His voice by having that constant communication with Him, and also. Reading the Word, having a good, strong um, um, relationship with God, obviously you have to be in the Word. That's the only way you're going to hear Him. We speak to God through prayer, and sometimes we can hear Him speak back to us that way while we're in that quiet time. But I think a lot of times God has spoken to me through His Word. So I'll pray for something or or just be in a, in a conversation with Him, and then I'll read His Word, and it'll just be something that just hits me right in the face. And I'm like, man, thank you, God, for you know, whatever it was that I was praying to you that you showed me in your word today. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Um, so when we talk about leadership, the Apostle Paul says in uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and work and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Becoming the man God wants us to be means to be living like God. We are to be imitating Christ, and I have some examples for that here in a minute. But um, the Lord, when when Jesus came to earth and spent the 33 years, he was the, the ultimate example of a leader. Um, and there's a great show called The Chosen. If you've, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of that if you're listening to this. Um, but there's a great show out there called The Chosen. If you haven't heard it, I strongly encourage you to to check it out. It, it definitely every single episode there's something that's gonna that's just gonna knock you out. Um, but there's one specific episode, and, and I think it's episode uh, six or seven of the first season, where you see Jesus walking by the the tax collector booth where you see Matthew sitting, and Matthew's just watching Jesus and the dis- other disciples walk by, and, and Jesus turns around and looks at him, and he just says, calls out his name, he says, Matthew, follow me. That really spoke to me because he doesn't say, Matthew, go fix X, Y, and Z in your life, and then come back, catch up to us, and then follow us. No, he says right then, follow me. So right there, Jesus says, I don't care about your past. I don't care about what you've done in your life, because the second that I tell you to follow me, and the second that you come to me with open arms and you say, Lord, I'm going to submit myself to you, he's going to use you. And it says in the word that when you confess your sins, 
to, to God. It's as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't bring up our past mistakes. He doesn't bring up the things that we've done in our life that we're ashamed of. You know who does that is Satan. Satan brings up our past to try to hinder us from our future, what we can potentially be, which is a light in a dark world. Um, in Genesis eighteen eighteen, it talks about um, God telling Abraham he's going to make of him a great nation. God wants us to be great. Like I mentioned in the last episode, there's nothing wrong with greatness as long as it's under God's dominion and rule. So God wants us to be great. So how do we become a leader? It's by living like Jesus. And a perfect example of this is we see in Mark 9.35. It's when Jesus sat down with the twelve disciples um, for the Passover feast. And, and we know in those days, these people were walking around all the time, right? They They didn't have cars and transportation like we do today. These guys were walking around with their dirty, disgusting, grimy feet, walking through animal crap or, or you know, whatever, because they're walking all the time. So it was tradition in those days to have a servant, whenever the people would come in for the um, Passover feast, to have a servant on hand who would wash the people's feet, right? So as the, the disciples came in to sit down, to recline, to, to relax for a little bit and have the Passover feast, Jesus looked around and said, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for me to be a leader and to show these guys um, to be a leader, you have to be willing to lift others up around you. It's not all about um, the, the glamour and the fame. It's about lifting others up around you. And so Jesus decided, you know what, I don't see any servant here, so I'm going to show these guys that to be a leader, you have to be a servant. So he went, he got the water and and washed the, the disciples' feet. It's just such a beautiful example of leadership that it's to lift others up. It's not all about yourself. And I think one thing that is interesting about that, too, is like we spoke about last time, the context in terms of um, the prodigal son. I think the context in this is very important also because if you back up a little bit there in, in Mark, you see the Mount of Transfiguration. And right before that, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right after that, we see the disciples arguing about which one of them is the greatest. This is an argument that throughout the Gospels you see is sort of a theme. The disciples constantly arguing about which one of them is the greatest, which one's going to have um, more authority when, when Jesus' kingdom comes, right? And so the Mount of Transfiguration was something that um, Jesus took up James, um, John, and Peter, I believe was the three, and he met up with Elijah and Moses on the mountain, and um, I wanted to I wanted to share a little bit about Peter today because you talk about leadership, and Peter was the ultimate example of leadership I believe in terms of the apostles go because he was the one that was willing to step up and and speak and you see his his name was mentioned most throughout the Gospels when it comes to the, the disciples speaking because he was always the one that had something to say it seemed like he was always the one that had the questions and which is I think another big characteristic for a leader is you have questions you're willing to ask the tough questions you're willing to be laughed at you know whenever you're in school um, I know one thing for me growing up was you didn't want to raise your hand and ask questions because you didn't want to look dumb right but a leader is willing to take that to find out answers because you want you genuinely want to know you know, um, because whenever people are looking for the answers, they're looking for a leader, you know, and you want to be able to have those those answers. So when somebody is looking for a leader, you can step up 
and you can say, you know, this is what we need to do. This is what, you know, you have the answers, you have um, um, the information that's needed, you know. So um, Peter was always the one asking questions. He was even the one that that asked what their reward was going to be for leaving everything and following Jesus, right? He was the only disciple to rebuke Jesus. And we find that in Matthew um, chapter 16, verse 21. I'm going to read that real quick. Um, like I said, Matthew 16, 21 says, um, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. The suffering of the Messiah is revealed here in verse 21. So Jesus reveals just the, the nature of why he came to earth. He is to bleed and to suffer and die for us on the cross. So his disciple, he's telling his disciples this for the first time. And Peter steps up in verse 22 and, and he says, uh, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So he, he, he's, <laughs> this guy has enough confidence in himself to rebuke the son of God to say, no, this is not what you're going to do. This is what he says. He says, um, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Man, to be called Satan from the Son of God. Um, Jesus used this another time in Scripture, we see, where he's tempted into the wilderness, where he says, Get behind me, Satan. And one thing about that that really stood out to me is we'll flip over and look at that real quick. That's in uh, Luke. Luke chapter 4 talks about the temptation of Jesus. And we see um, Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. Um, and if we look in verse number 6, um, it says, And he said to him, I will give you this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me and will... And it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So I think what we can take away with that is, is, is Satan had obviously had something that he could give Jesus. And I listened to another podcast talking specifically about this and what I thought, and it was really good. Um, it's called the Talmudim Podcast. If you've not listened to it, you need to check it out because it's very informative. It breaks down the book of Luke. But he talks about, um, in this specific text, that Satan was basically offering Jesus an alternative route. Because he knows that God's plan for him is to suffer and die on the cross. And so Satan is saying, basically, you know, let's team up. Let's go against God. Me and you can take him. You don't have to suffer and bleed and die on the cross. We can team up and we can take him. I think that's one thing that, like I said at the beginning, we need to be grounded in the Word. But the thing about that, too, is Satan knows the Word also. Because if you look in verse 9, it says, And he took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Verse number 10, For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. This, that's what Satan said to Jesus. Flip over to Psalms 91, 10 through 12 says, or I'm sorry, 11 and 12, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a, against a stone. So Satan is taking scripture and trying to twist it and trying to tempt the Son of God 
using Scripture. So if he is doing this to the Son of God, you know he is going to do that to us because he, he does not see us as a threat at all. <laughs> you know, if, if he thinks he is, is offering something to the Son of God that he can catch him, we have to be constantly in prayer. We have to constantly be in the Word because he is going to come after us. And that's why I said we're talking about foundation. We have to be rooted in the truth because if not, Satan can twist things in Scripture to use it for his benefit to, to take us down a road that we don't need to go down. So um, talking about leadership um, as it goes toward um, the, the example that I said about in Mark about um, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, being a leader is sacrificing for the good of others. We have to live our life in such a way that we are lifting up the people around us our friends, our neighbors, our family members, if you're married, your wife, if you have kids, you know, you're lifting your kids up. It, it's servanthood. And servanthood is using your life to make other people's lives better. It's leveraging the gifts that you have been giving by God and empowering and equipping and encouraging others around you. That is how you be. That, that is essential to what it means to be a Christ follower because that is what Christ did on his time at earth, he was constantly lifting other people up. He was having, he was breaking bread with people that um, the the Pharisees and the, the the righteous would look down on. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and so, um, in in doing the things that Jesus did, it was countercultural to what people thought the Messiah should be doing, or what we can say about us being a leader is something that's going to be counterculture because this is not what culture is telling us to do. It's not telling us to be Christians, to be rooted in the word of God. It's telling us the polar opposite of that. So, um, uh, one more thing I wanted to say about Jesus in terms of being a leader, you look at the men that he chose to follow him. He chose ordinary average guys, fishermen, tax collectors, Simon the Zealot, I think, is one that really stood out to me because if you know anything about um, what it meant to be a zealot back then, those guys were basically um, terrorists, I guess you could say. They were a small group of men who were skilled assassins. They were called um, dagger men. They had this little dagger. I can't remember off the top of my head what the name of the dagger was, but basically what they would specialize in is, is um, assassination and planning. They would... They would um, they would use their the numbers that they did have to their advantage to try to um, kill people that they believed were enemies of God, right? So if you look at having a zealot following you and a tax collector, it shows the type of leader that Jesus was because in those days, the zealots, they would go after the, the tax collector types, the Matthew types, the Zacchaeus types, the ones that Jesus was breaking bread with, these are the ones that that um, the zealots would go after. They were the ones that they would try to take out. So this shows the type of leadership that the Lord was able to display because you don't see anywhere in the text that Simon the Zealot was sneaking off to take out some of these people, you know, while while Jesus and his disciples were going out the back door after breaking bread at, at a quote-unquote sinner's house. You don't hear si uh, Simon the Zealot was hanging out in the back taking these guys out when Jesus, you know, after Jesus had already turned the corner. 
Jesus was a leader in such a way that these guys could live in peace and, and strive for one mission together. And that's the kind of leadership that we need to try to seek after, the type of leadership that brings people together, that doesn't um, exclude people, but includes everyone around us because the mission and the life of Christ was a mission of inclusivity. It wasn't to to break down um, break down people. It was to build people up, to lift others up around us. So, like I said, if we look at Peter, he was really um, the the most vocal disciple, the one that, like I said, who, who asked Jesus, um, what's our reward going to be for following you? He asked the most questions because he wanted to have the answers. A leader seeks after answers. They're, they're not afraid. Like I said before, they're not afraid to ask questions. That's why people look to them. If you want to follow someone, uh, you want to follow someone who has the answers, who has a plan. A leader has a goal in mind. They're not just aimlessly walking around with no plan, um, just willy-nilly. A leader has a plan in mind and a goal. Jesus displayed for us throughout Scripture what a leader is. You know, um, he, he talks about, if you see in Luke, uh, I believe it's Luke 15, is is the story of the parable of the lost sheep. How the shepherd left the one, or I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me, left the 99 to find the one. These are all, all these parables they, they apply to us now. It's not just something that was written a long time ago that we need to look back and say, oh, that's a good story. It's something that we need to apply today. To be a leader, you have to be willing to leave um, a, a large group or you feel comfortable to go after that one. You might feel uncomfortable doing it, but Jesus, it, you know, Jesus calls us to be uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, that's not where you want to be. You want to be uncomfortable. You want to be um, branching out. Like I, when, when I started this podcast, it was something that I wasn't sure about, but it was something that through a lot of prayer, I just felt like Christ was calling me to do. And I was never someone who, who got behind a microphone and, and spoke. I was never someone who got behind a camera and made videos, but I just felt like this was the direction that the Lord was taking me. I felt like it was time for me as a Christian man to try to step forward and to just be the best influence and the best leader that I could be for others around me in any way that I could possibly be. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Like I said before about John Maxwell, he said that the average person influenced up to 10,000 people throughout the course of their life. So we have so many opportunities to be a leader. All we have to do is we have to be willing to be a leader. And the thing about it, too, is when we talk about seeking after the will of God, seeking after that example that he set for us as a leader, uh, For we, if you look in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. If you're a believer, we have the mind of Christ. Romans 8.6 tells us the mind governed by God's Spirit is life and peace. In this world today, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's nothing but chaos and confusion. But if we set our minds on God, in the Spirit of God is life and peace. That's what we want for our life, right? We want peace. We want happiness. You're only going to attain that through Christ. One way that I would encourage you guys to is to kind of step back on a daily basis and just spend some time in meditation. I think this was something that I kind of pushed back um, for a long time, and it's really just something that I've gotten into not too long ago. We see Jesus oftentimes went off to desolate places by himself to meditate and to pray. So it is important that we have our 
alone time with God to pray and to read the Bible, but it's also important, I think, to have that alone time just to meditate and just to think about the things of God and just have some quiet time. I, I um, There's a great app by John Eldridge, and I believe it's called the One Minute Pause or the 60 Second Pause, something like that. And it's just, it's it's good. It's, and it's one minute. There, there's the options where you could do one minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute. And it's really good to just sit for a second and have that playing. It's it's peaceful music. It's beautiful um, pictures of creation that God has given us. And, and just to have some quiet time alone, just thinking on all the ways that God has worked in our lives and all the ways that God has blessed us. And I was doing one of those meditations today, and in it, John Eldridge was talking about this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and he says, um, one way that we need to pray is we need to uh, pray to be one mind with Jesus. One thought, one imagination, one mental life. And we need to say to Christ, I received the, I received the mind of Christ. Because when we receive the mind of Christ, that's when we're doing something, right? That's when we're going to be able to be used when we are submitting ourselves wholeheartedly and, and just earnestly seeking to have that mindset of Christ. I spoke about this um, yesterday, like I said, when I had this great conversation with my new friend, uh, Antoine McGee, and, and we spoke a little bit about this. We talked about manhood, and one thing that he asked me was, when did I start, um, I'm going to get, I'm going to butcher this question, but it was something along the lines of, when did I start feeling like I was a man? And I said, it's funny that you asked me that because that's something that I've really been thinking about, especially lately when you, when you talk about being a biblical man, you talk about being a leader. I just turned 28 years old, um, last month and I told him, I said, you know, when you turn, there's, there's milestones in everyone's life. When you turn 18, when you turn 21, when you get married, when you have kids, there are all sorts of milestones throughout your life. And I told him, I said, you know, I didn't feel like a man when I turned 18. I didn't feel like a man when I turned 21. I got married. I still, you know, you have responsibilities, obviously, that you take care of. But I said, I never really felt like a real man. I always felt like I had that little boy still inside of me. You know, I said, I got married when I was 22. We have three beautiful children, but I never, even after having those kids, I still felt like I'm not supposed to, I'm, I'm not man enough to handle all this. You know, I'm still, I still got that little boy inside of me. And I told him, I said, I rededicated my life, I think in late 2020, um, that's about the time that, that I really felt like Christ was speaking to me about I needed to do more in terms of using the influence that I do have, using the abilities that he has given me to do more for him. And so in late 2020, I guess I was 26 years old, I believe that was the first time that I actually felt like a man because I started trying to be more rooted in God. I started trying to find my identity more in the Lord. I wasn't trying to focus on what this world has to offer. I wasn't trying to focus on what man says, what a man should be. I started trying to focus more my life on what the Lord says that a man should be. 
right? And I think that is something that you are only going to try, you're only going to find true manhood or womanhood or leadership through Christ. So, and, and, I, and he's, and, and as we talked, he said the same thing. Basically, he said, you know, um, I feel like in my own life that it was around that time for me, 24, 25 years old. That's what he said. And I said, you know, that's, it, it seems like that's late, you know, me being 26 years old and figuring that out. But I think the beautiful thing about that is I would rather be 26 years old than 56 years old. You know what I mean? How many people out there today are 40, 50, 60 years old and still have that hole inside their heart, still have that little boy or little girl inside their heart where they have not blossomed into true manhood or womanhood through that foundation of Christ. So if you're out there today and you feel like how I felt in terms of, you know, yeah, I am 25, 26, 27, I'm 30 years old, I'm 40 years old. Yeah, I'm a woman. Yeah, I'm a man. But if you felt like I felt in terms of you still don't feel like you're ready for all this. You still don't feel like this is where I should be right now. Maybe you were like me, how I was not completely rooted in Christ. Because, you know, that's not to say I wasn't a Christian. I was saved at a young age. And I always tried to do my best to live for Christ. But I never really sought after so much of what he had for me than I did starting in late 2020. And I think that's one thing that the pandemic it was obviously there was a lot of pain from that, but I feel like there was a lot of growth through that also. There was a lot of people waking up and seeing things that God was trying to show them, maybe that they were too busy years before that, right? I think the pandemic kind of slowed everybody down to where they can kind of reevaluate their lives and maybe just see what God has for them. I know that was the case for me, you know, and so... Um, not to say I'm thankful for the pandemic because I know there was a lot of pain for that, but I am thankful that through something like that, through that, through, um, a, such a terrible event that I feel like God used that to show me a lot of things and to bring me into the light in terms of what he has for me is better than what I have for myself. And so, um, I kind of went off on a, <laughs> in, into a rabbit hole there. Um, I didn't get into all my all my notes and wanted to, what I wanted to say about leadership, but I just felt like that's where the Spirit was leading me today. So hopefully that encourages somebody out there. And, and I think we'll do a part two um, of leadership. But this was really just what I felt like the Spirit had laid on me today. And if it was a blessing to you out there, I'm very thankful for that. And I think um, I did it last week when we talked about grace, where I talked about um salvation. And so I feel like I would be um, at fault if I didn't do the same thing to end every single episode here on out. So I think that's what I'm going to do. If if you're listening to this for the first time today, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I just want to encourage you that Jesus loves you. You're never too far away from him to turn around and ask him for forgiveness. There's nothing that you can ever do that can separate you from the love of God. Um, an example that I that I used um, before is I have a we have a three year old son. Like I said, we have three kids, and we the three year old I guess last year we started um, him in his own big boy bed, you know, which is an exciting time during the day because he's 
oh, I got my new big boy bed. I'm big now, blah, 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 blah. But then comes night. Before, when he had a crib, he couldn't just climb out and walk around or do whatever he wanted to do. But now that he's got his big boy bed, he can get up, right? So he can run around the house. He can do what he wants to do. If he's not ready to go to sleep, you know, I can just get up. And this was something that we struggled with for a while. And we still struggle with it a little bit. It's been over a year. And he is he's a stubborn boy, um, which I think he gets that. We'll say he gets that from his mom, you know. <laughs> but um, he's a stubborn boy. So it's been rough for us to to get him to stay in the bed. And so I thought about that. You know, we've thought about all kinds of ways how we can keep him in the bed. And... Um, it was just to the point where as soon as we laid him down, he would get back up. Get You know, we'd lay him back down, he'd get back up. Lay him back down, he'd get back up. And I would often say to him, um, because he would, as I would lay him back down, he would say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And I would often say to him, and I'd say it to my daughter at times too, if you were sorry, then you wouldn't keep doing it. And I don't say that anymore because the Lord really spoke to me and said, is this not the same thing that you do? Do you not fall into the same traps and temptations over and over again throughout your life? And you constantly come to me and apologize and say, you're sorry. And do I not have the grace to forgive you time and time again? And I thought, you know what? That's right. You know, so I don't say that kind of thing to my kids anymore. Um, because of the grace that God has given us, we need to make sure that we are doing the same, showing that same grace to others around us. You know, and, and it doesn't matter how many times he does it, how many times he gets out of bed and, and we have to put him back down in the bed. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change the fact that I love him. It's not going to change anything on the fact of how I feel towards him because he's my son and I love him and I would do anything for him. And that's mirroring the way that God loves us. No matter what we do, there is never going to be anything that God will not forgive us for if we come to him wholeheartedly and ask him to forgive us. Um, it is by grace that we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, works, lest any man should boast. So I just encourage you today that if you have not come to that saving knowledge of grace, just know that the Lord loves you and that he is always going to be there for you. He is always going to accept you in. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. So um, if you have not made that decision to ask Jesus into your heart today, I would just suggest for you to seek out godly Christian counseling, maybe at your church or someone that you know is a is a, um, a strong believer in Christ. But that is just something that is it's going to be the number one most important thing in your life. The number one decision that you can make in your life is giving it, giving it to Christ and settling where you're going to spend your eternity because this life is so fleeting. So um, with that being said, um, if you've not said that prayer before, I just, I, I would just say, um, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died on the cross for me. I know that I cannot do um, anything on my own to earn salvation. So I pray that you would come into my life today, come into my heart and save me. I know that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, to take my place. And I pray that you come into my heart today and save me, Lord. It's as simple as that, just a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that gets you into heaven, but it's that that showing God that you believe what he did is what is truth. And it's 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 putting forth that um, speaking the words with your mouth and showing God that you mean business, showing God that you believe that 
what he did for you is true because it 100% is. So if you've come to that decision today, praise God for that and, and congratulations. The Father and, and the angels in heaven are rejoicing over this decision that you made today. The Lord leaves the 99 to find the one. And if you are that one today, I'm just ecstatic and, and super thankful. Um, if this was able to reach you in any way, if this was just for that one person out there that decided to make that decision, then it's well worth it. So with that being said, I just want to say thank you for listening. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Have a good week. God bless. Mm-hmm.